Welcome, or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootsbase Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And there's a popular question going around. Popular question. Probably is a little bit more popular before July 30th. Maybe on July 30th. Maybe a day or two after. But the question's still out there. The question's still out there. It's one of those where I have a degree of an answer. A part. I'm kind of good at coming up with half ideas. Not full-fledged, all the answers are accounted for kind of stuff like that. But sometimes I can come up with a half of an answer. Not to be deceptive, but I can come up with, you know, connect the dots kind of thing. The question is, what is the Cubs' plan? What is, is this a reboot or a rebuild? What is the Cubs' plan? And there, there are actually quite a bit, quite a few angles, quite a few angles to that. But for this podcast, I want to take one angle. It's going to take some setup. It's going to take some setup. But I have a bit of an answer. First off, one of the things I like to mention when people are talking about what's the plan for the rebuild? Is it a reboot? Is it a rebuild? Is it, a, you know... All these terms that, they're, they're garbage. What's the difference between a reboot and a rebuild? What is the difference between a reboot and a rebuild? Well, in a reboot, they don't, they don't intentionally have bad teams. Eh, semantics. Semantics. They have a horrible team right now. Horrible. This team is, let me see, let me see, let me see. Unless Kyle Hendricks is on the mound. This team is worse than the 2012, 2013, or 2014 team. This team is worse than them. This team, over an entire year, would rival the Mets in being bad. The, the 62 Mets in being bad. They would be borderline that bad. So don't tell me that the the team they have out on the field right now, oh, well, that's just a re, retool, retool, not a reboot. When you're assessing who you're going to, I talk about this occasionally on the podcast, when you're assessing who you are going to believe, ask them a simple question. Ask them a simple question. July 10th, roll back to July 10th, a month ago, July 10th, how many players did you think the Cubs were going to trade in July? Easy question. How many players did you think the Cubs were going to trade in July? Simple question. 
Well, back then, I thought that uh, my over-under was seven and a half. I was a bit low. When I said seven and a half, people, oh, no, they're not going to trade that many. They're not going to. They're going to keep one of the three, and then they're going. To, they're not going to trade all the relievers, and they're. They traded nine guys. The people who are saying. The Cubs are going to keep Bias, the Cubs are going to keep Brian, or the Cubs are going to keep Rizzo. They were wrong. Simple. They were wrong. They didn't have any remote idea what the plan was. The remote idea of the plan for 2021, was to disassemble everything. Kind of like Ikea, I guess. You know, it's like, okay, got a whole bunch of parts here. Nothing's put together. Got a whole bunch of parts. That's what the plan was. Who was saying that in July? Early July. Who was saying, they're going to trade everybody? There, there are a couple of people. Those are the people you might want to listen to. Because they had a feel for what the plan was. The plan, the plan, the plan, the plan. How much are the Cubs going to spend in 2022? That's part of the plan. I'm not, I'm not really going to go into that very much right now. That, for me, is a question between Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer. Tom Ricketts gives Jed a number. Jed says, okay. That's what I'll spend. And they'll spend it. The number's 130. I'll go out and spend 130. The number's 160. I'll go out and spend 160. And they'll spend every penny of it. And they'll go out and get Jack Peterson type contracts. Maybe more expensive than a Jack Peterson contract. Maybe less expensive than a Jack Peterson contract. And you know it's going to depend on? It's going to depend on what the number is. I think the number might be 115, 120, but I'm not basing my guesses on the plan or reboot or rebuild on that. You know, it could be 140, it could be 160, whatever. My guess is what with the pending lockout or strike, I'm guessing the number will be quite low. Perhaps I am misreading the strike or the Lockout, and the number will be far higher than I'm thinking, which, hey, cool, fine, go with it. But I really do think if there is a regular season, uh, real season in 2022, uh, the plan will be similar to in 2021. If the Cubs are truly in competition and close and all that kind of stuff, then... They'll play it out, but if they're really not very close, somebody's better. You know, the, the Reds are better, the Pirates are better, the Cardinals are better, the Brewers are better. Okay, fine, we're going to trade everybody again. That's why I think the part of the plan is. But that's also not the part of the plan that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a part of the plan that pretty much nobody, nobody is talking about and I even have a little bit of historic evidence not proof but evidence that maybe 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 this plan might be in effect 
I don't know if you've been following the New York Yankees financials here recently. I don't know. You know may, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. It, not horribly important either way. But this year, the Yankees are up against a spending limit, internal spending limit, that they don't want to go over. Not only is the internal spending limit, which is entirely arbitrary, totally invented by ownership, you know, here's the number, don't go over it. It sounds like that number is awfully awfully close to the um, penalty limits for if a team goes over this, then there are penalties to be paid for going over it. Doesn't mean that... uh, the penalties are the reason for the number. It doesn't mean that the number is the reason for the penalties. Either you know, it, there's a number, and it just happens to be quite similar to what the pennies are. Penalties are pennies. Um, also, Garrett Cole has a bit of a lengthy, expensive contract. He could be particularly good. He could be particularly not good. He's missed a bit of time this year. Yeah, something to consider. DJ LeMayhew was extended for five years for a really hefty contract. Because they had him for two years real cheap. And then, oh, okay, well, this worked out really well. So let's extend him because he's going to be really good. Well, now he's not quite really so good. But the money's guaranteed. Here's what I see about the plan. Here's what I see about the plan. I don't listen to the score. I don't want to listen to that many advertisements. But here's what I haven't heard many people say about the plan, the reboot, the rebuild, the reload, the reshuffle, whatever you want to call it. My hunch is Tom Ricketts wants to keep spending somewhat low. What's somewhat? That's up in the air. That I, 140 could be low, 130 could be low, 117, 983 could be low. I, I have no idea what the number is going to be. But I think it'll be probably kind of low. And then at a certain point, probably when some of the prospects start getting closer, the numbers will be increased because that's probably when the fans will start to return and spend gobs and gobs of cash because once a team is really good at Wrigley, all the people who said, I'm never going there again, have a tendency to have, you know, amnesia problems. So... When the Cubs get good again, either the former fans will come back or the new fans who didn't get burned the last time, we're going to spend our money. So there will be money spent. There will be fans there when the team is good. So now what I see about the plan, and again, this actually happened at least twice, probably three times. 
when the Cubs started to talk to the New York Yankees about trading Anthony Rizzo. I think that the initial conversation was with Boston and possibly Tampa. Maybe there was another team. But at some point, probably shortly before the trade deadline, day before, two days before, Cubs said, what if we pay Anthony Rizzo's salary? What if we pay down his salary so you are basically paying league minimum for Anthony Rizzo? Would that increase the amount you would be willing to give us in prospects? Based on the prospects the Cubs got from the Yankees, the answer was yes. And I'm also under the impression the same thing happened with the New York Mets, who never would have dreamed of giving Pete Crow Armstrong for Javier Baez, except for the Cubs using their financial heft to pay off Baez's contract almost in full to get more pros- uh, a better prospect return. They ended up getting Pete Crow Armstrong instead of some of the other players that they'd been looking at in Port St. Lucie. Also, I've kind of heard the same thing happened with Oakland. The Schaefer trade. Oh, you're going to pay the whole thing? Okay, cool. Here, take another prospect. Didn't work that way, but it's kind of like that. So what's this got to do with the plan? That was trades. That was trades. That's completely different than the plan. Maybe I'm a, you know. I really think the plan, to an extent, is to clean out the finances as best as possible. Don't overextend. Do not overextend until the team is good or really close to good. So let's say, let's say, let's say not necessarily 2022, but possibly. Let's say Jed Hoyer is given the number 170. It's a number. Could be higher, could be lower. Let's say the number is 170. Jed says, okay, 170. Got a question for you. Got a question for you. And it... This is Jed to Tom Ricketts. And it's a very important question. You've given me the number 170, and I can spend 170 without much difficulty. If I spend 140, if I spend 140 instead of 170, Hear me out. If I spend 140 instead of 170, do I still have the 170? 
Well, what do you mean? You only spent 140. That's not the question I asked. The question is, if the magic number is 170 and Jed Hoyer only spends 140, can he later go back and spend 30 million more irrespective of anything that goes on? Because he just found, he just found out he can buy prospects if he has extra cash. If he has extra cash, he can go out and buy prospects. So if the number is 140, but the offer was 170, can he spend that 30 extra? San Diego was talked about as far as sending Eric Hosmer to the Cubs. The Cubs taking Eric Hosmer basically as a holdover first baseman for the bad years. And by taking Eric Hosmer, the Cubs would get added prospects from the Padres. Now, that didn't happen. Eric Hosmer didn't end up with the Cubs, but the concept is there. The concept is the same. If the magic number is 170, can he spend 140 and still have the 30 million left? Because there were some people, some people who probably tell you they know what the plan is, who said, no, 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 no. Tom Ricketts will not let Jed Hoyer spend Anthony Rizzo money or Javier Baez money to get extra prospects because Jed Hoyer, well, Jed Hoyer's boss, Tom Ricketts, is an absolute horrible person and a creep and he's greedy and all that kind of stuff. Well, that may be true, but by all reports, Jed Hoyer said, go ahead, spend whatever you want. Up to that number. Spend whatever you want up to that number. And Jed Hoyer did exactly that and got prospects back from, uh, improved prospects back from almost certainly the Yankees, almost certainly the Mets, and very likely the A's. What's the plan? I really think the plan is to maximize return damage as far as getting prospects. 2021, all the boxes are checked. He did exactly that as best as he could. 2022, will he spend the maximum amount of money to bring in every single... Maybe, yeah, maybe no. He might hold some back. Might hold some back because whether it's Eric Hosmer... See, here's the thing. Here's the thing with teams overspending. Think back to all the efforts the Cubs have made to trade away Jason Hayward, presumably. Presumably, the Cubs tried a number of things 
Okay, how about if we pay half of his salary? I don't want the other half. The Cubs know some team is going to go over the edge. Some team is going to say, this is going to be fine. We're going to spend a little bit aggressively, but it's all going to work out okay. And the Cubs very well may be the team that says, no, we're not going to spend aggressively because we know someone else is going to. If someone else spends aggressively, which they will, and it backfires, which it will for someone. If the Cubs are in a situation where their finances are right, their prospect pool is right, their player development is right, everything is flowing along swimmingly, and suddenly the Cubs realize, you know what? We still have $25 million we haven't spent. Well, now, fans would say, oh, go, go out and get an ace. Go out and get an ace. Get, sign somebody for seven years and uh, $40 million. After all, it's only money and it's not my money. So it's a, just go out and... If the Cubs have an amount that they can still budget, that they haven't budgeted yet, Hey, guys, what? We got $25 million, uh, $25 million we can go out and still spend. Or whatever. Or whatever. It sure makes it a whole lot easier to make a trade with that one team that's in financial trouble. Who's that team going to be? I don't know. I don't know. But this year, the Mets... And the Yankees were there. The A's were pretty close. There's always a team that, oops, you know, that last big contract we gave out, maybe we shouldn't have. The Dodgers. The Dodgers. They have a fantastic team. This year, absolutely fantastic team. And uh, somebody was grumbling on, oh, Twitter or MLBTradeRumors.com or someplace online talking about how Man, can you believe how many injuries we have and we still have a team, we're going to the playoffs, and we might... I mean, dude, you're spending $300 million on your roster this year. You ought to have a good team. I don't think it's quite $300 million, but it's kind of close. Um, at some point, somewhere along the line, somebody is going to have that one free agent that they thought was going to be really good for four years or five years or six years. And he's just bad. He's just bad. Absolutely bad. And their spending is completely ruined because of it. And trust me, owners still value wealth retention more than the average mother cares for their children. That's just how it works. They're in this to make money. Some team out of the 30 is going to... 
regularly, routinely. It's not just one year out of seven. There's always going to be that team that, gee, if we just hadn't given out that one contract, if we hadn't given out that. And then when you get a team into that, the Blackhawks have been that way for four or five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that uh, NHL has an actual, actual salary cap, not a loose salary cap with... Um, eventual penalties more than current penalties. But still, somebody is going to screw up financially coming out of what's going on now, going into what's coming up next. Somebody's going to do it. I really think part of the plan, part of the plan is to make sure that that team that screws up their finances in either 2022, 2023, 2024, somewhere in there, make sure it's not the Cubs. Make sure it's not the Cubs. So then when somebody gets to that point where, you know what, we have to move this two-year $18 million per contract. We just have to move the contract. We have to get under the number. The number that my owner gave me. I have to trade this guy. Two years, 18 million per. Jet, oh, darn. That's a darn shame. You know, really sorry. I, I wish I could help you, but you know, it's really a... How about if we make it worth your while? If you're under, under, under the limit and your owner has said, here's your number you can spend. And instead of running out and spending every single nickel of that limit, the GM says, I'm going to dial it back this year. Dial it back for now. Because I don't think we're quite there yet. And you sit and wait, and you sit and wait, and you sit and wait, and somebody is going to be in that situation where, you know, we have to move this guy. And they're out calling for spring training, for the regular season starts, for the July deadline, whatever, whatever, whenever. At some point, it's like, how about this? We'll send you a 35 prospect. One of those guys who, he's upright, he's playing games, he's, you know, maybe he's a, a backup right fielder in the Dominican League, one of those two teams, or whatever. We're going to send you that guy. You send us your guy that's going to take two years and 18 away from us. We'll pay the whole thing. That's not the problem. But in exchange, we want two prospects. We want these two specific prospects. Otherwise, you can let that contract completely kill your finances. 
either or. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Do I know that's part of the plan? No, of course not. If it is, it'd be a really good idea, though. Uh, because the Cubs, right now, 2021 is hosed and sunk. Everybody knows it. 2022, rebuild, reboot, reload, retender, refire, whatever term you want to use. They'll spend an amount of money. They'll spend an amount of money. Tom Ricketts will tell Jed Hoyer a number, and he'll stay under that number. And this time, he really doesn't have a whole lot of expensive contracts to deal with. Not at all. He has Kyle Hendricks. He has Wilson Contreras. He has Jason Hayward. He has Jason Hayward for two more years. Two more years. That's not going to be a problem because he's not going to be spending on too much anything in 2022. And Hendricks and Contreras, I don't know when they're going to be traded, but I wouldn't bet against it. Can the Cubs use their financial heft by being very patient, saying, you know what, 2022 probably won't be our year either? Yeah, they'll spend some. I don't know what the magic number is going to be. But what Jed Hoyer spends might not be the magic number. Because if he holds a little back, as much benefit as he got in uh, right before the deadline for having money available to pay for salaries going to the other team, I hope he remembers the benefit he got out of that. Because when a team gets a prospect that actually strikes. You know, not just not just a little tiny, you know, a guy, frankly, Patrick Wisdom. You get a prospect who has a year like Patrick Wisdom. When I get done with this, I'm going to go look, see what Patrick Wisdom is worth for the Cubs this year per fan graphs. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Unless you already have. Don't look up what Patrick Wisdom so far through Wednesday night. What has Patrick Wisdom been worth per fan graphs? As soon as I'm done, I'm going to go look it up. If you can get a prospect to do as well as Patrick Wisdom has... He's making league minimum. You know, whatever that is, 650000 700000 whatever it is per year. He's making the league minimum. He's not getting, you know, $1.7 a year. And he's not going to get that next year either. He's going to make league minimum again, just a little bit above it. When a team gets players on their league minimum salaries, their pre-arb salaries to do really well that is where the team makes a killing because when you're paying $700,000 a year for a guy who's making you 27 million see how that's kind of a good thing 
if the Cubs get to the point where they trust their development staff enough that they can go out and say, I'm willing to take this two-year, $36 million horrible contract that nobody else is willing to touch because it's so toxic. Bring the guy in. Bring the guy in. Send back a, an insi- somewhat insignificant prospect the other way and get two real prospects in return. I don't know what the plan is. I think that's part of it. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others and pick a nice minor league game to listen to or watch this weekend.